Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? Hey, Milena. I'm good. How are you? Well, I, I cannot really believe that I'm saying this because I don't want to be that person who complains about the weather, <laughs> but I'm kind of suffering under this heat at the moment. What is it like in the States? It, it's, it's warm. <laughs> but, I mean, well, it's, it's affecting me more than ever. Let's put it like that. Well, yeah, because, <laughs> because, can, can we make the big reveal? Because I'm pregnant. Yes. <laughs> wow. Congratulations. <laughs> well, eight months in, actually. Wow. Two more to go. <sighs> Jeff, did you also just realize that this is episode 14 and we've started mm -hmm. to talk about the weather? <laughs> Are we running out of things to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> Last episode we're hosting together, Milena. At least before your maternity leave. <laughs> I'm already getting a little sentimental here. Do I hear some tears welling up? Yeah. I truly had the very best time for those past 14 episodes, mm -hmm. Jeff. Me too. Welcome, everyone, to our first episode. Jeff, are you there? He is here. Hello. Welcome, everyone. Hello. Is this thing on? Hello. Hello. This is my very first workout voice memo. <sighs> Hey, Melina. Welcome to the show. Hey, Jeff. Hey, it's us again. Hi, Jeff and Melina. Melina? Don't go. What's going on? I'm your virtual voice avatar. Also, meet my friend Jeff. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. Welcome back. Spot on. Hello, listeners. Hello, Melina. Ah. Oh, I see you're already <laughs> pretty much into the sound of this episode. I uh, truly am. It's my podcast control unit. <laughs> oh. Class number one. Absolutely. Cleaning up. Uh, Me. Cleaning up. Ew, ew, ew. Cleaning up. Dust. Dust. <laughs> Dust. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, it's us again. Welcome back. <laughs> Come on, Melina. Get with the program. I'm Jeff Gostitis. And I'm Melina Otworth. Hi, everyone. Back to topic. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Humidity and breast milk. From know-how to wow. The Bosch Global Podcast. So let's, uh, let's jump right in. And let's start with humidity. can be such a relief when temperatures finally drop a bit during a summer storm. Oh, yeah. Sometimes I, I actually crave one. When, you know, when the air gets so muggy and you, you, can, just, you can just feel it in, in the air and you just start sweating without even moving. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, just <laughs> the humidity is gone. Feel you. Yeah. Is it, though? Question Question Jeff? mark. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Because part of that rainwater evaporates. Sometimes you can see the steam. So it seems to be getting even more humid. The answer is it's complicated, as usual. Of course. Of course <laughs> it is. So please enlighten me. What is more important than humidity are two other values, relative humidity and the dew point. Okay. I did some research, so let me give you a quick summary. Humidity is simply how much water you have in a volume of air. X grams of water per cubic meter. 
Okay. But this is not what we can actually feel. What we feel is more related to how saturated the air is with water. And that saturation is different from the grams per volume value? You have to take another factor into account, the temperature. Mm. And that is because air can hold more water vapor when it's warmer. Oh, got it. Okay, then. Mm-hmm. You got it? Let me test you. Uh-oh. Why do you get ice building up in your freezer? Uh, well, um... So you said warmer air can contain more vapor. Mm-hmm. So when I open my freezer door, the warm air gets in. Mm-hmm. And then it, that's getting chilled by the freezer, and it can't hold that much vapor anymore. So I guess it's just the uh, water vapor from the warm air then ding, 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 freezing ding, ding. on the wall. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> it condenses and then freezes, correct. So there you have it. Relative humidity is very important. And when you have 100% relative humidity, you'll see water droplets form. Okay, that makes sense. So one last question about this. What is the relative humidity where it starts to feel really muggy and miserable? Is that like Mm. 70%, 80%? That also kind of depends on the temperature. You can very well tolerate 100% humidity in the fall. That would just mean that it's foggy or misty outside. Yeah, right. Okay, so lots of water in the air there. You can even see it. Uh, Thanks for explaining that to me. You're welcome. Have you ever thought, though, about possibly becoming a weather forecaster, Melina? Ha! Not really. Maybe a new uh, (laughs) new line of work for you, (laughs) post-lead? Now that I come to think of it, yeah. It's kind of (laughs) intriguing. But (laughs) I do have some job news to share later on. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to that, too. But first, let's hear from Thomas Block. So my name is Thomas Block, and I'm working at Bosch Sensortech as a product manager. And here, especially for environmental products, these includes a parametric pressure sensor, humidity, and temperature sensors. Before we have him explain how these sensors work, Thomas makes clear that humidity is not only annoying and exhausting <laughs> and something to complain about in small talk, it's also a health issue. So when it's too high or too low, it can lead to various issues. For example, high humidity levels lead to more bacteria or viruses that cause respiratory infections. Also mold grows when you have also some allergens. uh, They are surviving better in high humidity environments. And uh, also high humidity levels can increase the levels of chemicals in the air. So, for example, ozone or formaldehyde levels are more severe at high humidity levels. So, at, for example, home, when you have a home automation control, and this is also in the area of IoT, Internet of Things, you want to keep this optimum 40 to 60% relative humidity to protect your health and well-being. So, first of all, it seems legit for me to complain about the high humidity in Germany. Secondly... God, we've given her an excuse. Great. (laughs) Question. Thomas mentions an optimum of 40 to 60% relative humidity. But how do you measure that? Thomas has got you covered there. One sensor that's popular for this is Bosch SensorTech's BME280. It's just a 2.5 by 2.5 millimeter small. And Thomas explains what's going on inside. It's basically a capacitive sensing principle. So you can say it's a chipset where the sensor itself 
is a hygroscopic layer. Yes, hygroscopic. That means it can absorb water. And it's between two electrodes. So it's basically a plate capacitor. One electrode at the top, one at the bottom. And therefore an electric field between them. The interesting part is what's between the electrodes. The hygroscopic layer, it's what in electrical engineering is called a dielectric material. This dielectric is normally uh, an active polymer layer and absorbing humidity, basically. And due to this absorption, the dielectric properties are changing and in consequence also the electric capacity of the sensor. An active polymer layer, that means some sort of plastic? It's basically organic components, a micromolecule. In our case, it's much, much more on it. That's basically confidential how it looks like in detail, <laughs> but it's basically a plastic, yeah. I like that. We went so deep into this sensor that we scratched on the surface of what seems to be some secret substance. Yeah, I mean, but but this material, uh, it really is what makes or breaks the sensor. It, it defines how well the sensor works. What characteristics does this material need to have to make a good humidity sensor? Well, this is where it all comes together, or so I hope. Uh, the idea is that the capacitance of the capacitor changes with the changing humidity. So the capacitance depends on the dielectric constant of the material between the electrodes. The higher the dielectric constant, the higher the capacitance. So water has normally a high dielectric constant. And we then choose, and that's also then a challenge for the engineering, that we have a dielectric constant of the polymer, which is much, much smaller. And, and that means the smaller it is, the higher the sensitivity of the polymer, the better and also more accurate and faster you measure the humidity in the air. Oh, that was quite a lot. But I think I got it. I'm very glad to hear that. And you, dear listener, did you get it as well? If not, don't worry. The rest of this episode will still make sense. In essence, humidity changes the capacitance. And this is measured by electronics. Bonus fact the dielectric reacts in a linear way to the changing humidity. That makes it easy to determine the humidity itself. Okay. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for the summary, Jeff. That was very helpful. <laughs> Try. I just have one very important question. Does the sensor measure absolute humidity or relative humidity? Very perceptive question, Melina. Oh, is it? No, uh, no, really. <laughs> it's a good question. It's important. I, I think you and Thomas are very well aligned here. Um, let's, let's take a different tack on this. Do you like beer, Melina? <laughs> um, well, I always prefer a glass of wine, but in general, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> the relative humidity depends strongly on temperature. So when, for example, the temperature drops, relative humidity normally increases. You see it when, for example, condensation on a beer bottle uh, means relative humidity is more than 100%. Uh -huh. But you have to know one degree change in the air typically automatically would change the relative humidity value by 2.5 percent and, and that's a lot so when you would have a mismatch in temperature measurement you would also have a mismatch in relative humidity measurement i was listening but 
Hmm? Oh, I got distracted just thinking of an ah. ice cold bottle of beer. That was ages ago that I had oh, one. Of course. Oh, I'm sorry. And oh. <laughs> not quite uh, sure when I'd be able to have one again. Uh, but please, uh, Thomas, continue. It's very important to measure the right temperature. And here we are talking about accuracies of plus minus 0.5 maximum. And that also takes a lot of efforts to ensure a high accuracy of the temperature sensor. That sensor that we've been talking about, the BME280, it's not only a humidity sensor. It's also a thermometer and you get a pressure sensor on top. Oh, wow. Really? And it's still only 2.5 millimeters in size. That's right. All that stuff in that little tiny package. And now comes a challenge. So you want to measure the ambient humidity, maybe the ambient temperature, but the sensor is in a device. So you can think of a smartwatch, even a smartphone or some other devices where you have other components on the PCB. For our listeners, PCB is printed circuit board. And what does it mean when there is a microcontroller close to a humidity sensor? It would heat up the temperature sensor. So you would not measure the ambient uh, temperature. You would basically measure the temperature of the components close by. Mm, that sounds rather tricky. <laughs> But also, what about the humidity? You want to measure the humidity outside the device as well. Right. For the humidity, the solution is actually fairly simple. Holes. Huh. The sensor has a hole and the device needs to have a hole as well. Um, through the natural diffusion, the humidity will get inside rather quickly. And where that isn't enough, you can use tiny fans or micro pumps. But to get the temperature measurement right, you need a smarter solution. Literally. Also, Bosch develops some smart algorithm to really find out what is the ambient temperature outside the device. So, for example, uh, measuring is now the microcontroller working uh, and how much the Bluetooth model, is it on and off? And then you derive a model that you basically can say, okay, also based on the position of the temperature sensor to the other components, I have now a heating effect of two degrees and that you would subtract from the real measurement of the temperature sensor and then you come close to a real ambient uh, temperature outside the device. So this is only possible with smart algorithms and also Bosch and Bosch SensorTech is working on these uh, solutions. That is freaking cool. Wow. Wow. Isn't it fascinating? Not only how much technology you can package into 2.5 millimeters, but also how much know-how goes into tiny components like these. Literally from know-how to wow. Exactly. But did you know, and maybe you did given your current situation, mm -hmm. but did you know that a woman's egg cell is only a little over <laughs> 0.1 millimeters in <laughs> diameter? Imagine, and, and now go, go, back to, go back to biology, imagine how much code is stored inside that. <laughs> that was an unexpected fun fact, Jeff. Yeah, full, full circle here. Full of here. surprises. Well, my, my baby boy has the size of a coin cup now, but still can oh. calculate temperatures. <laughs> as far as you know, you might have a genius on your hands, Melina. Yes, pretty sure, yeah. <laughs> Considering who's his mom. 
anyways. <laughs> so to do these calculations in order to determine the real outside temperature, Thomas and his team developed a library, which, speaking of data, is about 35 kilobytes. The inputs of the software parameters could be acquired by the either the operating system, like the battery, or CPU means processor current, or battery temperature, or you use thermistor measurements for the battery or CPU temperatures. Thermistors are basically temperature sensors on the PCB that sit close to the heat sources. These calculations are done on the microcontroller or the application processor, and they can be adapted to specific use cases. For example, when a customer needs particularly high accuracy. So this software can be adopted if you use more and higher accuracy thermistors. In addition, you have to take care of the position of your humidity sensor to be as far as possible away from potential heat sources. This is happening while the raw analog data coming from the capacitor of our humidity sensor is first processed on the sensor itself on a chip inside the sensor called the ASIC. And the ASIC is a part of the sensor, not including the temperature sensor, but it also has analog and digital signal processing, for example. It has a AD converter. You have also calibration data memory, because when you calibrate it, you also store it on the sensor. And you have this communication interface, this digital communication interfaces like SPI and I2C. So Jeff, we started off talking about the weather, which led us to a temperature, pressure and humidity sensor that is great for weather stations or for smart home systems to control heat, air conditioning and humidification of your living spaces. Or your wine cellar. Oh, I wish. For example. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what is also fascinating is that now that this technology is available, people come up with totally unexpected applications. Some of our own developed this idea, a team at Bosch Vietnam in Ho Chi Minh City. I would like to introduce you to one of them. My name is Đinh Thị Kim Thoa. People call me Thoa. And currently, I'm the senior delivery manager in ABBS, one of the locations of Bosch. I manage the software team here. One of the projects that Tua works on is called Milky Way. It is specifically targeted at mothers in Vietnam. Normally, we have six months of maternity leave. And if you want to continue to fix your baby by your breast milk, Your office should support you somewhere to pump the meal during your working hours. And then you need to have the bridge to store the meal. But Tua says that many companies in Vietnam don't have lactation rooms where mothers can pump breast milk in private. And often even an appropriate fridge to safely store it is also not available. And it doesn't end there. You need to carry the milk home and keep it cool. And commutes are often long and Well, considering that we're speaking about Vietnam here, the temperature's high. So you need ice packs and so on. I think you get the idea. It's a lot of effort. Yeah, that sounds not simple. And and even though, as far as I know, it's very common in Vietnam for women and, and mothers to work, right? Mm -hmm. 
uh, more common than, than in Europe and the rest of the world, at least. Mm-hmm, yeah, that's right. According to the World Bank, 73% of Vietnamese women are working. The global average is 47%. In the EU, it's 51%, and in the US, it's 57%. So with that in mind... And the idea came, we want to encourage the mother, make them more comfortable when back to work, and help them more closer with their child, even they're back to work. Okay, so now what does that solution actually look like? It's basically a cooling box. Almost like a portable mini-fridge, but of course, made smart. <laughs> and we try to integrate both sensors inside to monitor the temperature, humidity, and many conditions on the box. Then uh, we deliver the meal from office to home. To emphasize this here, they created a delivery service. I suddenly understand the reference of the title of the episode, Milky mm-hmm. Way. So it's basically a breast milk taxi. Yeah, but using a scooter with the sensor-equipped cooling box mounted on the back where the precious cargo is kept. Precious cargo, very nice. And they will come to bring the meal to home so that the baby will have fresh meal. But as a mother, it might worry you to have the milk handled by a stranger before it reaches your child. However, Tua and her team found a way to build peace of mind for the mother into the system. We have one slogan like, baby can talk, but sensor can. <laughs> oh, that's great. So that's where the sensors <laughs> play a crucial part. Oh, I love it. And it can connect to the cloud. And when the mother's sending the meal to home, she can monitor the information of the box to make sure that the meal is in good condition during the time it's transporting to home. I love it. It's it's basically like a modern pizza delivery <laughs> service. I mean, I can see where it is on the map at any given moment, and I know it's on its Plus, way. Plus, in this case, you could also see how hot the pizza is. <laughs> Or, well, how cool the milk is kept. <laughs> Milky Way also detects whether the box is opened or handled roughly. And and by the way, that's also something that our sensor expert Thomas talked about. One use case for the sensor is asset tracking. Usually, and not necessarily small coolers, but big shipping containers. If someone opens it, you can see it in the data. The temperature and the humidity will change. But most of all, you'll see it in the pressure sensor. When a container or a box is opened, the pressure drops. Okay, anyway, uh, back to Milky Way and our Vietnamese colleague, Tua. Milky Way went through a pilot implementation, and Tua says they got only good feedback. The mothers who participated in the pilot would have loved to keep using the service. We finished the first phase of the project, and we are waiting for the next step to have the live production the mass production of the box so that we can continue to do the service. Oh, that would be really Mm -hmm. excellent. Couldn't agree more, yeah. Personally invested as I am in this, there are also many other ways Milky Way (laughs) can potentially enter the market. The name Milky Way is quite fixed with the project, but the box itself, you see, it will bring a lot of other uses because it is a cooler box and we can transport the vaccines or food. Oh, yeah. Oh, that is course. so cool, I think. We can use that, yeah. 
because I think we all remember the news stories about how difficult it is to get vaccines distributed while guaranteeing their quality. Yeah. Something like the Milky Way box could potentially help there. Yeah, absolutely. And if we look at the bigger picture, I think Milky Way is a perfect example for how smart sensors can change the world. Well, the things that people do with sensors. We are in the world of the IoTs, so we want to manage things around us. And this is one of the use case that we prove that even is a, a cooler, it's cooler box. We also can manage and control it using our software. Yeah, and you see that we don't need to build something like totally new, like the sensors. Of course, it's out there, but how we use that and combine it and integrate it into a solution that bring the meaningful things to life is also innovation and it can help people a lot. You know, we talk a lot about high tech on this podcast. And of course, the sensors themselves are high tech with smart algorithms and everything. But with these high-tech building blocks, people can create relatively simple but super useful innovations. Yeah, exactly. And that's really an important part. And actually, Bosch actively supports this. Here's our sensor expert, Thomas Block again, talking about how accessible these products are for hobbyists who would like to tinker with them. Of sensors and especially humidity sensors are very popular for these hobbyists. Also in, in schools for children to get aware of sensors, to build their own board, to build their own air quality device. And we also support this. Uh, we work together with schools. So we uh, were very happy that our sensors, which are normally in high-end smartphones, in these very well-known uh, devices, that also private people can buy our sensors at our distribution partners and play with our sensors and maybe invent a new application which can help to solve a problem in the world. Is it really that easy to use these sensors, though? I mean, it's it's not plug and play. They don't have a USB port or something like that. <laughs> no, no, you can't use plug and play uh, a reference here. Um, but but someone with a, a fair degree of, of technical experience or who has has already some technical knowledge on these can easily hook up a sensor to them. Um, Bosch applies reference designs, in fact, to companies who produce small logic boards with these sensors ah, on. Cool. The sensors are now so small, but also so sophisticated that it's very, very easy to get it running. And then you directly can measure the output of a sensor like a BME 280. And just for the record, these boards are relatively inexpensive. They cost in the range of $10 to $15. Oh, nice. Can you imagine also, Milena, that, that your child will someday play with these <laughs> at school? That'd be really cool, wouldn't it? Sure, yeah. That would be totally awesome. <laughs> I mean, as mentioned, uh, he'll be a super smart kid anyways. Aber so natürlich. Figured out. And since we're already kind of speaking towards the future... Melina. Yes, Jeff. I think it's time to lift the curtain. Hi, Shuko. Bonjour, Jeff. Bonjour, Melina. Nice to meet you. Oh, God. A third language has <laughs> entered the chat. Fantastic. <laughs> listeners, this is Shuko. Shuko, meet our dear listeners. Bonjour, listeners. It's nice to meet you all as well. So, Shuko is our new co-host on this fantastic show and will will be pseudo-replacing <laughs> Milena while she's on parental leave. Shuko, you want to introduce yourself a little more to our listeners? 
Sure. So as you guys have already heard, my name is Shuko, and I'm a project manager in the department for trade fair and events at Bosch. Okay. We are responsible for organizing and conceptualizing the Bosch presence at major trade fairs and events around the globe, like the IAA in Munich, um, or the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, or the Auto Shanghai in China. Oh, cool. But then I guess with the trade fairs, you probably get to travel around a lot, right? Uh, well, usually, yes, I would say, but... Usually, right. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> 2020 notwithstanding, of course. <laughs> exactly. Can you just uh, tell our listeners where you're calling in from right now? I'm actually calling, or I should actually say hola, Jeff, because I am calling from uh, Spain, um, where I'm currently uh, on vacation at my parents'. Thank you so much for taking the time to call in during your vacation. So, so figuring that you've you have done some some considerable travel, uh, but but you've done it, I understand, outside of work as well, because I don't think you're from around here exactly, right? Well, what is around here, Jeff? Because you're also an international part yeah, say Europe. <laughs> of the podcast. Um, so yes, I'm um, actually half French, half Japanese, um, and have been living in Stuttgart or in Germany for the past four years. Um, however, uh, yes, uh, traveling and moving around is in, um, mm-hmm. I would say, our family's DNA. I, I <laughs> see that. I see that. So, so then coming, bringing you into the content of today's show, since you've been around the most, where would you say you experienced the most intense humidity? So most intense humidity um, I've experienced would probably be um, in Japan or in Indonesia. Um, so half of my family is Japanese, um, and I was born in Indonesia. And those two countries are definitely, um, especially in the summer periods, July, August, extremely um, high humidity countries. Um, and I would definitely not recommend, should you want to go during those times, um, maybe to visit those countries during those high humidity um, periods. Could always be worse. <laughs> Or the grass is always greener, you know? Oh, guys, you cannot believe how much I'm looking forward to just sitting there during my parental leave and listen to both of you. <laughs> that would be great. Okay, I'm out. Dropping the mic. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Only for now. Thank you very much for this very warm welcome and all the best to you and your baby, Milena. I'm pretty sure it's going to be one of the best and also most challenging projects that you will uh, undertake. Oh, I don't think we could have picked a better co-host. <laughs> It's so great that you're here. No, 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 no. Before you switch off your microphone and hand it over to Shuko, we have a little present for you. Because not only I wanted to say thank you to you, Milena, but generally this has been such an interesting uh, project for us, starting not even really knowing each other. Uh, Oh, God, yes. (laughs) Thank you so much. Not even, not really. We were basically strangers. But now... We're very close friends, and I couldn't be more excited. So to show our appreciation for you and to really show how much we're going to miss you, we have a little something. Hi, Melina. This is Jonas from Budapest. I'm a big fan of your show. I really learned a lot about all those cool things that we do at Bosch, and having a podcast like this really makes me proud to be part of the Bosch family. So thank you so much for making this happen and for all your passion and humor that you put into creating the podcast. And now I wish you all the best for the time ahead. Hi, Melina. This is Marika from Germany. I will miss your laughter and good-humored way to find out secrets of science. I wish you all the best for you and your family and hope to hear you soon. Oh, yeah. Ciao, Melina. I'm Christian from Hanover, Germany. My favorite episode with you was all about Formula E. 
As a Formula E fanboy, I love to learn about its background as well as its new challenges for both drivers and cars. I want to thank you for your entertaining way of explaining complex things for easy understanding and giving me both know-how and wow. I will miss your smart inputs and gadget love. I wish you all the best and that your little one will be as fun and entertaining as you. Stay healthy. Yours, Christian. Hi, I'm Olga from CS Connected Mobility in Ludwigsburg. And right now I'm sitting in the train. So sorry for all the background noises. But guess what? I'm listening to the podcast from Know How to Wow. Oh, that's just great. The name is already pretty catchy and the topics you are having are so diverse and pretty interesting. The episode Why Cars Need Ears was eye-opening, or as I would say, ear-opening. <laughs> and I agree, lockdowns changed the sound of our environment. So thank you, Milana, for your work, your passion and your voice. All the very best and hope to hear you soon. Hey, Melina, this is Lucas. Thanks for your activity and your great show on Bosch Center. We will miss you. Uh, have a great uh, time at maternity leave and keep it rocking. Hello, dear Milena. It's a pleasure to speak to you. This is Bruno from Campinas, Brazil. I really appreciate your performance in the song, Don't Touch Me, Don't Look at Me, Don't Shake Me, Oh, Dust. Very, very fun. Oh, God. Did you get some dust in your eyes? Well, we're emotional too. Oh, my God. I'm not crying. You're crying. Because we're we're so happy for you, and we're so looking forward to your growing family and hearing all about it when you return. World's youngest podcaster. I like. You know that, that I'm pregnant, right? So I'm super <laughs> emotional, anyways. Well. Oh. We'll hear you soon, Melina. <sighs> Considering Thank that you. he'll be a genius, uh, you could have him as a co-host, guest, whatever. I think uh, after like twelve month, latest, yeah. <laughs> No pressure. Oh, thank you so much, guys. I am speechless. And you know, that doesn't happen very often. Thank you so much. Bye, Jeff. Bye, Shuko. And uh, thanks to everyone who took part in this wonderful project and uh, supported me and Jeff in doing what we were doing for the past 14 episodes. Really, it was a fantastic journey. See you and talk to you soon. Bye, everyone. Dust. Time to say goodbye. <laughs> still, uh, still waiting for that musical episode. By the way, well, still wanted to do that when I'm back. Yeah, we'll hear you okay. soon, Melina. <laughs> Thank you. See you soon, Melina. Okay, guys, I'm out. From know how to wow, the Bosch Global Podcast. 